Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Melissa Lamparis is an actress, writer, and comedian. Although she has performed with the Upright Citizen Brigade on one of their house sketch teams and currently co-hosts a UCB podcast called Crazy in Bed, Lamparis first found success by following her own path, carving out a career by convincing Condé Nast to make comedy videos online featuring her character work. She caught everyone's eye and their mother's when she began writing, acting, and editing her own mom videos and uploading them to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Every once in a long while, if you're lucky enough, you feel as if you're on the ground floor of witnessing something awesome before the rest of the world catches on. This is how I feel about Alyssa Lamparis. I've already compared her in print to the late great Gilda Radner. Let's hear how she herself describes her life and career. So let's get to it! With, I mean, truly, Sean has the nicest mm-hmm. mics I've ever seen. This is, I like to imagine what mics started with before stand-ups put their, you know, mouths. Like, this is what every mic looks like until stand-ups bleh, glopper on them. <laughs> you know, this is shiny. Yeah, you don't drop the mic. No, these, these mics are not to be dropped. No. No, no, no. No matter how wise you are. So, last things first. Yes. It's been probably a strange year and a half, two years for you? Yes. <laughs> What's been the strangest thing? Um, I mean, aside just, from the decorations on my wall right I mean, now. you've moved to L.A. I've moved even, to L.A. But even in the last couple of weeks, you've gotten a lot of assorted press. From I like do feel that way. town papers and college publications. I do and- feel that way. This past week, that's the thing with this career. It's so, everything goes in waves. It's like, Yeah. It couldn't be that throughout two years they wanted. It's like all in one week, everyone wanted to do a story. Right. Yeah. What happened? What's in the water today? What is in the water? I don't and know. Now you're sitting here with me. I know. Look at this. And you're wearing a Boston Red Sox hat. I want to make you feel at home. Thank you. I appreciate in West that. Hollywood. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think Mother's Day was probably part of the reason just because I put out another Mother's Day video around Mother's Day. And yeah, the past few, the past two years, I think it's, I, just started making a lot of stuff on my own. I would say that's the biggest. Because I was working for a while, you know, for other people. And then, yeah, basically two years ago, I started just making stuff on my own. And then, yeah, one thing led to another. Here I am. Well, so I know you went to Middlebury. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we can. LaSalle, Middlebury, yeah. Um, when you graduated, was there a thought in terms of moving to New York versus L.A. then? Yeah, so I really wanted to move to L.A. when I was right out of high school. I went to some, like, like scouting thing. I don't know, those, like, things at malls where they scout. Oh. You have those things? Yeah. It's, where are you from? Can, I grew up in Connecticut. Connecticut, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if they had Connecticut seems too fancy for this. I know, I know. But, no, in Massachusetts, oh, we still do them. Yeah, and so I really wanted there was, I really wanted to come to L.A. at that point in my my parents were like, no, you got to go to college first and then you can do whatever you want. Okay. So after college, I, w- I was thinking of coming to LA, but then I was just kind of like, 
I don't even know where to begin. And there seemed to be better comedy in New York. And I knew more people in New York. So I was like, well, why don't I go try to find my voice in New York? Yeah. Oh. And then I got a job in New York. So I was like, okay, cool. Let's do this. What job did you get in New York? I was a financial consultant. Isn't that crazy? I used to teach about like profit and loss statements to like, to like big corporations. Is that what you studied? No, there's this weird thing with some colleges where you, you, you study whatever and then you just become a consultant on business stuff. And it's like, why? I don't know anything. Yeah, that was the case where I went. Right. And a lot of people got consultant, consultant jobs. jobs. It's like, what do you know that it's, yeah, I didn't know anything. In retrospect, these people who'd worked at like Coca-Cola for 30 years mm -hmm. were taking advice from, yeah. They figured you had a liberal arts degree. Right. So, and you were hip to what the kids were into. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Give them vanilla and cherry. Yeah. So Orange vanilla is good. It is. Come on. I was, I was wary of tasting it. But it's good. I like orange and melon together, but I wasn't sure about with Coke. I know. But, but they, they did a bang-up job. Oh, God. Like a creamsicle Coke. Come mm. on. How fun is that? That was my doing, 2012. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, so I did that, and then I was traveling. Wait, was that one of your gigs? God, no. No, oh. no, no. I really was just like, it was basically just teaching about finances, oh. kind of, from a very big macro level. How, how quickly did you start carving out time for comedy? It was immediate. My first day in New York, I took a UCB class. It was mm -hmm. like... I started right away and I thought in a way like, oh, this other job will just be my day job so that I can do comedy at night. But then I had to travel with it like every week. So I was going to, you know, Austin or wherever. Mm -hmm. And I became so like, I was not happy because I couldn't do what I wanted. I was like in New York doing this other thing. I couldn't do what I was there to do. So for a year I was pretty miserable. And then I cut ties with the job and just started waitressing. And then I felt like, okay, here we go. Now we can start. Did you make good money at that consultant job? I made really, really good money. And in retrospect, it, that helped me big time because I had like a really nice safety mm -hmm. blanket or safety net for that. I still like it's 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 always followed me of like, oh, this is a helpful thing that I had saved in reserves because it takes a while. That's the thing. It's like it takes a while to make money, yeah. consistent money. Whereas like, yeah, one of those jobs, you can just make it right away. <laughs> Oh, I wish I'd stayed longer. <laughs> yeah. But you had that itch of something had to give for you totally. to perform. And I was really not my best self. Yeah. Was I, there any internal discussion with yourself in terms of like where to go? I mean, you said you took UCB classes right away. There's other options. Yeah. I go. Yeah, I did everything. I took like a class at the pit. I took a class at UCB. I did stand up. I took a stand up class. I kind of, I took an act. I did the acting program at Stella Adler. I kind of okay. just went all in to see what I liked. And what did you like? I, I think it was a long winding road for me to say like, oh, I want to be a comedic actress. I want to be an actress, you know? So I think I like comedy. I love comedy, but I think, yeah, it took me a really long time to be like, no, I want to be acting. And once I'm acting, I'm like, this is where I'm happiest. This is my favorite thing by far. And the show, the full show that I saw before you moved from New York to L.A. was about your dad. Yes. Was he still around when you were embarking on this for the first time? Kind of. Yes and no. I really think that my dad's death was like I was he died probably like after two or three years into my starting journey in comedy. But I was really not focused before. I was just 
ugh, I don't know. I think when my dad died, I really woke up to life and was just like, fuck, you got to go do what you want. You got to do it fast. Like, what do you want to do? And like, stop being afraid. Stop like saying you want to be a writer or what? Like you want to be an actress, go act. Mm-hmm. And then I just, so he didn't get to see a lot of what I do now, but he knew that I was going on this journey. And refresh my and the listener's memory. While he was dealing with cancer, you you weren't spending as much time in New York, right? Because you were going back home to spend time with exactly. Him? Yeah. So my dad, like, I, he was he like was coming to move me in to a new apartment in New York, and on that drive, he found out that he had to go to the hospital because he had a brain tumor and. I got in a car with my brother and moved back to Seekonk almost immediately. And I came back to New York a few times, like here and there, but I was not living in New York for that year. So while my dad was dying, I was, yeah, mostly based in Seekonk, but then going into the city now and again to like do a show or see friends. It kept me sane. It was really great to have New York, but I was basically living in Seekonk until my dad died. And then after he passed, I immediately moved back and started working at Condé Nast. And then I just started kind of hitting the ground running. How did you get that first gig with Condé Nast? That was to do web series? You know, I got really lucky. Or... Condé Nast was like the best thing that happened to me. I I was writing like grief blogs when my dad was dying. Cause Where? On... Just on like my own Squarespace. I was okay. just kind of like writing. I wasn't sure if it was on your own site, on a site like Medium or on Facebook or where. Yeah, it was it just was. Squarespace and then I would share them on Facebook and okay. stuff. But it was really serious, like not funny at all. Just really dark about what was happening. So I was just feeling very alone and like in a lot of pain. And then someone was like, Oh, there's a Condé Nast opening for a, a copywriting job. You should apply for it. I recommended you. And that was a three week copywriting gig. And I got it based on those blogs. And then once I was there, I saw, Oh, this is an all female brand. They need videos and I want to be doing videos. So had you done any before then? No. The only things I'd done were with my friend Kayla LaPrage, who's my best friend growing up, and we made really, really like low budget one shot sketches while my dad was dying just to like lighten my life. It was like a real blessing. She's the funniest person I know. So we had a lot of fun doing those. It's a good thing May's not here for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Everyone's the funniest person. All my friends are so funny. It's it's crazy. But yeah, Kayla's you know, there's like people who you were friends with when you're like five, that's a different type of funny. You know, you just know each other so well. Um, so, but beyond that, I mean, those would not have gotten me a producer job at okay, Condé so Nast. you have a three week, it's a three week? Three week. So I just thought it was like a was three it? week thing. I, I was waitressing at the time. So I, I was like, I just need three weeks off. I'm going to go do this thing. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of just kept being like, I want to make videos. And I kept kind of pitching stuff and they kept letting me stay. And then eventually... So what was their video strategy like when you got there? Well, it was just... i really lucky. It was transition period. Like, basically, it was that... You know that time when, like, Facebook was giving a lot of brands a lot of money to, like, do a bunch of Facebook Lives? That's how I started. was, okay. like, they were revamping this woman's website. It mm-hmm. wasn't a woman's website before, so I got in right as they were starting a new thing. And then Lauren Lumsden came in, mm-hmm. and she used to do UCB stuff, and so she was, like, had a comedic voice, and so I was, like, great. I do UCB stuff too. And she wanted to be pushing comedy. And so she let me do a lot of these Facebook lives and I brought in a lot of UCB people to do them. And then we started getting a reputation for being like a little bit of a comedy brand. And then Emily Murnane came in, who's like ended up becoming like my co-writer of an editor and co-creator of every sketch I made for like two years. And we just 
had not a lot of money and a lot of freedom and they let us make sketches all the time. So it was just the two, the, the three, a really small team. And we would, yeah, kind of just learn as we go. And so that's how I learned how to edit. I didn't know anything about videos, you know? So that's what I learned everything. That's where I got to like be a bunch of different characters and do character work. Like every care, every person at every customer at a restaurant, every retail person. And then, you know, that basically got the wheels turning of like, oh yeah, this is what I like. This is where I'm happiest. Okay. So before we move on, can we break it down? Like what was the website? So it was called The Scene, mm-hmm. and then it changed to Iris, and it okay. is currently Iris. But it's part of Condé Nast. It is part of Condé Nast. It was Condé Nast's push to go digital because mm. of you know print being a... But it wasn't, al- it wasn't part of a specific magazine. Exactly. It was the first brand, it was the first digital brand that did not have a connection to a magazine. And it okay. started as a collection of videos from... Allure and Vogue and GQ, mm-hmm. but then they wanted it to become its own thing. And what equipment did you have to work with? Um, we had some great stuff. We had like FS7s and like we had some stuff was shot on iPhones in the beginning, but then we had really good gear and Andrew Doherty was our DP. So he, he was a one man shop. He did all of sound and, and shooting and he shot on like nice cameras. FS7s. But like when you say that's where you learn to edit, what did you learn to edit? So... Um, we learned to edit on Adobe Premiere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I learned from Emily and Andrew that they, it was just such a small team that we all kind of had to do our thing. So Emily and Andrew had experience in editing and then it, there came a time where it was like, you need to know how to do this because we don't have enough people. And they just were really patient with me and taught me. So I learned how to, you know, take a bunch of footage and bring it down. And what was your involvement with UCB at that time? Yeah, were you UC- on a team? No, I UCB never really. They didn't really. They didn't. Vi- they didn't. They weren't. They weren't. Uh, yeah, it, it took me a while to really break in with UCB. I tried out a lot of times. I didn't make a team until my my very last like six months in New York, and then at was that, that point a I was. Or a mod team? It was a mod team. Yeah. Okay. But um, are I, you on a team in LA? No. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, Abby Jacobson and Alana Glazer. That's what they say. That's what of, they say. And yeah, we're dropouts, baby. No, I their own web series and eventually I I girls. Exactly. Yeah, I just think it it uh it pushed me because every time I didn't get on, I was like, okay, you got to make something of your own. Then you got to keep doing your own stuff. So, how many people were watching these initial scene videos? Well, you know, it was really, it was kind of in Facebook's heyday. You know, some of our videos have like 30 million views. I mean, we were really going, we were really like, we had a real groove. Like we had, mm-hmm. some were getting, of course, like, but like it was pretty standard that they would all get a million and then some really went crazy, 20 or 30. So there was like, we really learned how to make relatable content because it was, yeah, we, and it was all just on Facebook? It wasn't on any other platforms? It was mostly Facebook-based. I mean, we tried to get it to YouTube and, and Twitter and Instagram, but mostly the main place was Facebook. And what year was this? I want to say 2015, 2016. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah. How, how did that change your game plan? I mean, you... It was like... Your, your dad died and that woke you up to be like, okay, I'm going to go after what I want. And I think you I, took I had this bit, copywriting yeah. job and can convince them to let you start making videos, and then all of a sudden you're getting millions of people watching these videos. Totally. So what did that? 
what did that do to your idea of what you could do with your career? Yeah, I think it was hard because for a while I felt like I was missing stand-up and I was like missing a community and I was like, but in the long run, anytime I was on set with Emily and Andrew, anytime we were like making, I was so happy and so at peace and in a way that I felt much more so than, I was so vulnerable that like stand-up felt really raw at the beginning. It was like, I don't want to be putting myself through the potential of bombing after my dad died. It's like too much. Videos felt very safe and protected to me. And I just was like, I just want to keep doing this. This is, this is what I, I really like. And so then that pushed me to be like, okay, well then your next step is probably to make videos on your own, not to like go back and try stand up again or try improv again. It's like, no, this thing's working. So just follow this, you know, did, did you get any other opportunities before you started making videos on your own? Or did you only start getting opportunities once you made videos on your own? I would say more happened once I started doing stuff on my own. Because then my name's attached to it. Whereas, Mm -hmm. like, you know, when you're making it for a brand, your face is seen, but your name's not attached to it. So, What was the first video you did on your own? The first video I did on my own was Mom Visits New York. Okay. So it was like, yeah, uh, the the origin. how did you shoot that one? That one was... The first one. The very first one was actually shot by my roommate at the time, who's Mm -hmm. from Rhode Island. And we danced together all growing up. Alyssa Cipriano, also named Alyssa, and she was living with me, mm-hmm. and my friend Shannon O'Dell, who I don't know if you know, she's an amazing comedian and science person. Yeah. So she, basically, they both just, I was like, hey, I just want to try this thing. Can you can you shoot this one night? And then I was like, oh, I have some other ideas for outside. And I was meeting with Shannon. I was like, would you mind taking mm-hmm. a half hour and doing this what with me? What did you use to shoot that? iPhone. The mom, Every video I make now is just iPhone. Okay. I never do anything bigger than iPhone. Okay, so that first mom visits mom visits me in New York. Yeah. You get your two friends to shoot you. Yeah. Was it the same format of the all the mom videos we see now or was it the same exact format? Okay. Yeah, so they've gotten faster. They've gotten faster. Okay. So and the first one will seem slower. Yeah, the first one now that I look back, I'm like, I didn't quite like now I the character's very defined mm-hmm. and very the, yeah, the first one was a little bit like, I would never put some of the stuff I put in the first one in now one. So, yeah. Okay, so the first one, you shot it on the, your shot iPhone. Shot it on my iPhone. Where did you decide to release it? Yeah, I, I did. What I do now every time is I kind of, on the same day, I put it everywhere. So I do Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. But you did that from the very start? From the very start, yeah. And, yeah, from the very start. So yeah. when was that first... So that was that that December. So I want to say, yeah, like the December of 20... No, no, probably 2017. December of 2017, January 2018. What's this? January 2019, a year mm-hmm. ago. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So it's just been a year. Like the, yeah. The yeah, because I wrote something about you... Mother's, Mother's Day, Day of, of last year. Of, of 18. Exactly. So and you'd be doing them for five months. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So the first one that you put out at the end of 17... Did it hit right away or no? People really liked it. My friends really liked it, mm. but it did not like hit hit it. But it, you know, it, it, it did better than anything else I had posted up until that point. Now, how did it do on each of the varying platforms? Was it better on one than the others? Twitter or? has always been the place where it's found. It's like home. Twitter's been my, my favorite place. Cause it's just like, yeah. The audience is bigger. It can be shared more quickly to different people. Whereas Facebook, mm-hmm. I'm kind of, it's more or less the same people each time because my, it's, yeah. So it's always, YouTube, it never does that 
well, the most I have on YouTube is like a hundred thousand. So YouTube, it's not done it, the best. Mm-hmm. Instagram, yeah, not not the best. But Facebook in the beginning. Right, I saw you post one earlier today on Inst- I saw it on Instagram today. Yeah, today I was my first sponsored post. Oh, yes, I've sold out. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So I it, also, I mean, honestly, it was just so joyful. I had so much fun doing it. It was so fun that then when I went home to visit my mom, I was like, we got to do these together. And so then she shot one for Christmas Mm -hmm. and technology. We shot two in like a week. Okay. And then Christmas did really well. And I was just like, all right, I'm just going to keep doing these. So how did it change when you actually had your mom involved making a video where you're being... They're so much better now. I mean, with my mom there and her shooting them, they go up a real level because it's like, it grounds it much more in reality of like, what would I actually say? Is mm-hmm. this real? And I hear her saying things. I mean, so many times half the script is made up on the day because she says so many good things during the day that I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, we have to, we got to add that. We got to add that. And then it becomes like, well, half the things I thought of aren't even as good as stuff I've heard today. So let's just do that. <laughs> yeah. And having her there, it makes it more loving too. I never feel like I'm offending her because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we're doing this thing together and it's fun and playful. And she'll pick up things like, oh, my friend has said this, or I'll be like, oh, my aunt has said this. So it's kind of a collection of like, what are women your age saying? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just really fun. I mean, you've seen pictures of my mom and stuff. You've met her maybe even. Uh, yeah, I know. I met her when I saw your show. She was at that show. And she's just so, yeah, she's, yeah, having her there, she's like a great energy to have around. Yeah. So you said the Christmas one did well. But nothing really did well, well until the one that you wrote up last year. That was the first one where it was like, okay, this is now changing my life, kind of. Well, I mean, I I guess it makes sense in hindsight because they're mom videos and Mother's Day. And the one, the the only two to have hit a million are both on Mother's Day. So it makes sense. It's like, it's the time when people are with their moms or nostalgic for moms or Mm. thinking about moms. Yeah. So how did it, and what was the first thing that changed? The first thing for when that Mother's Day video came out was like, you know, I'd just been making videos for a while that got a lot of views and I didn't see any direct impact on my life. Nothing changed. Like if I got a video that had 20 million views, it didn't, it was nice. It felt good, but it didn't change my life. Whereas this, you know, when that one went viral, I think I got like 15,000 new followers or Mm -hmm. something, some some crazy amount of new followers that was like... Like you, like you said, YouTube has not been a good spot for you, and YouTube is the only place that really monetizes. Exactly. So Twitter, which has been your favorite, you don't see any money at You don't. But you... And Facebook... Facebook's kind of... 30 million views means nothing, nothing financially. Right. That's the tough part of all this, is like, it's, it is still... But I think I have to have a different... Men, I've had a different mentality of just like, it, this is not to make money now this is to like build something to make a lot like bigger money than i would make on like youtube later you know what i mean like oh if i could sell a show about this that's the bigger goal so if it means taking a hit and having to like nanny or waitress a little now Mm -hmm. that's okay because it's like building up whatever okay yeah so what was what was the first real change then the the basically that video i got a, a lot of new followers and this Amazing woman, Felicia Fasano, who's a great casting director in L.A., reached out to me and said, I want to talk to your agents. And I said, well, I don't have agents. And she she was amazing. She took me under her wing. She mm-hmm. set me up with, 
like a week of meetings with agents and managers. And then that's how I, in LA. LA. Okay. So that's when I signed with my current reps. Mm -hmm. And then I started making the plan to move to LA. So it was like kind of a, that videos, that's where everything kind of changed. Cause I'd been, I'd been doing a lot. I've been doing comedy for a while. I've been doing a lot. As you know, I had already screen tested for SNL at this point and I didn't have reps. And I kind of just felt like, I don't know what else to do. So let's stop right there. Yeah. How do you screen test for SNL without having any reps? You sleep outside every night. <laughs> Bitch a tent. No, yeah, I mean... Right, it's not like you did New Faces in Montreal. It's right. not like you were on a mod team. True, true, yeah, I wasn't even on a mod team. showcase. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't so on any did, showcases. So how did you get a screen test at SNL? Well, I had been making... Yeah, I had been making videos for a while mm-hmm. on... The, with the scene right. and so like I had been making a lot of character videos and then once I started making these mom videos I got they just reached out to my commercial agent and said we've seen your we've seen her mm-hmm. videos and we want to we want to so see her. So was this before Mother's Day or after Mother's Day? This was before Mother's Day. Okay. This was before Mother's Day so it was yeah I, yeah I guess there'd probably been like four mom videos but not the big one mm-hmm. not the big kahuna but so I went and I did the showcase after that email, and then I actually flew to L.A. to visit my boyfriend's family. Mm-hmm. And when I landed, they said, we want to screen test you. So I got back on the plane. I screen tested. I never got off the plane. That was like the craziest week of my life. Um, but yeah. Wait, you, <laughs> you, did you just say you didn't even get off the plane? I didn't get off the plane. Because I, I, the plane was going back? The plane was going back. I, I I sorry, I didn't get out of the airport. Okay. I got off the plane. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I'm like, staying on the plane. <laughs> take me back. Take me back. I yeah, strangled the the yeah, went in the That's cockpit. I, I was like, wait a second. Didn't get off. Yep, hid. No, yeah, I got off the plane, but I didn't leave the airport, and I okay. just got back on a plane right away. Wow. Yeah, it was like very thrilling. It was very like in a movie, you know. Yeah. So yeah, in my head, right, I was, that's the suitor showing up saying. Come back. Totally. Totally. It's, yeah. If you get on that plane. Yeah. It was very movie like, but then I didn't get it. And that was not movie like. But you screen Um, tested at 30 Rock. I screen tested at 30 Rock and I was on hold and, and it was just a big, obviously letdown because it's like, wow, this is what it's all been for. Like, this is what the dream is. Like, this is like the, my, this is what I want more than anything. This is what I grew up wanting. And so to not get it, there was a sense of like, where do I even go from here? What do I do now? And I just was down for a little while. And then, yeah, one of my friends gave me advice and was just like, you just got to keep doing what you're doing and just trust that everything's going to be okay. And then I just made that, I made that Mother's Day video. And then from there, yeah, I kind of felt okay. It's like, okay, now I have people, I have people on my team looking out for me and I don't, yeah. Well, you know, they put a hold on Chris Red and then let him go and then hired him totally the next year. totally i'm not ruling it out it was just sort so, of in the moment of not having it's the beginning of the it's summer the beginning yeah anything could happen by the end of the summer it's so true but um i and, and in retrospect i'm like i was not ready to be like i was not ready to, i mean i would have been fine but i'm mm-hmm. i'm grateful for like even just this year of growth like i i so yeah after the mom stuff like i still make them but then this year the biggest thing i've done this year that's different is like i've been making just other character videos like all the time and learned how to how to make self-sustaining videos of just one person that aren't jump cuts that i can perform live like that's been a big difference and snl kind of pushed me to do that like it was hard to do mom live like it didn't translate as well whereas Mm -hmm. i was like i need to have more characters that the jump cut you have the jump cuts Mm -hmm. so i found workarounds which is like i make her be at 
the location. So wherever the location is, she's there. Mm -hmm. So it's like mom at UCB. And then she's like pointing. She has to be present. But yeah. But it's not a celebrity impersonation. Right. Like one of your 2019 ladies is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Totally. Yes, AOC has been a real gift to the world and to me. Yeah, she's such a hero and happens to look and sound very similar to me. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, like that. Yeah, this year has just felt like I feel a lot, a lot stronger because I've, yeah, branched out. Whereas last year I really, I had only mostly done jump cut videos. Mm -hmm. Even everything I did at the scene was jump cutty. So I didn't know how to build characters on my own as well. Character at the, every person at a fashion store right it's like fun but it's like how do you do that live you you Mm -hmm. can't it's not you need something to build you need a game you need punchlines. so to just have someone saying things it's like you can't really did you have any other celebrity impersonations i had to for my screen test i did um ivanka trump uh at doing carpool karaoke with james corden okay yeah just being like keep driving yeah that was kind of the main i really kind of got in and out of my impersonations quickly. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't spend a lot of time on them. I spent more time on original characters because mm-hmm. I was like, that's my strength. I'm not going to... Have gonna... you developed any other impersonations? No, not really. I mean... Other than AOC? No, I don't really think... Not that I can think of off the top of my head. I probably... Probably one in there, but that's the the biggest one everything else is more yeah just like original stuff but even if i had to go in tomorrow i'm like oh i already have so many now on twitter that like i've done that i I, i've performed live since Mm -hmm. too and yeah yeah when you saw me i was doing that solo show you know i think before all this happened i was focusing still more on stand-up and such whereas now my focus has shifted to like acting and doing these videos well that's what happens when you go hollywood that's the thing you come west and you just yep you start drinking matcha and you start working towards film. So was this your first or second pilot season? First ever. Yeah. What's it like going through it the first time? It was, I feel, I felt a large sense of like, I was so happy because I was like, I've been waiting for this my whole life. It really felt like, oh, this is what I've been wanting my whole life. So it felt great, but it was really intense. It was like exams. I had like, you just have to read all these scripts all the time. Then you have to memorize and some casting directors are intense and like get mad if you're off by one word. So I was just like constantly really on edge. Um, it was just like, I didn't make social plans. I was, my calendar was kind of like blocked off. Like I'm just going to need to be focused. So it was fun. It was cool. Um, but I also, it, it made me take a break from making my own stuff. So then once it was over, I was like, Oh, I can't wait to get back to just like doing stuff. That's fun for, cause you do a lot of work for a little reward in pilot season. Cause you're just, you're working all the time. But if you don't get something, then it's like, I, all that was for nothing right. in a way, even though it's not, but yeah. But even though pilot season is a definite period of time, like you were telling me yesterday, you had several auditions for things. Totally. So there's stuff happening all the time. And like, it's in a way it's even safer because the stuff you're going out for usually now is like stuff that's already on air. So mm-hmm. pilots tough. Cause it's like, you, you could be going out for something, you could get it and then it could never even go to air. Yeah. So it's definitely, yeah, there's still auditions happening. It's just less 
intense. And now, like you revealed, you have sponsored posts. Exactly. Now I have sponsored posts. So I just did so my first that one. Kardashian money. On That's Instagram. right. That's right. <laughs> I bet we're making a very similar amount. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that that felt good. It felt it just feels really good to be able to make some money from art. It's like, oh yeah, that's a relief. That feels good. It'll always, that'll never get old getting paid to, to do comedy. Yeah. So what is your game plan now? Has so it changed? I think, um, how has it changed? I mean, I think it's kind of, you know, the same. I, I'm actually grateful that I have a lot of stand up experience because even though I'm not focusing on it, it's always a thing I can go back to. Like, yeah, like, I'm doing more shows now just to kind of keep busy when auditions are slow. Do you do characters as stand-up when you do that? I mostly do stand-up. Yeah. Sometimes if if a show is like a variety show, I'll do characters. But if it's a stand-up show, it's hard to insert characters in. It's just people, I think people get used to a certain way of hearing jokes. And then if you come in and try to do something totally different. Yeah. And usually it's at like a bar and... There are certain conditions, I think, that characters work in. And if I go into a room and I feel like, no, this is, I'm going to need to be attacking them a little bit. Mm. I'm going to need to be interfering and messing with them. Then I don't like being in character. I like being able to have control. Kind of like all the stuff you saw in my show. Like that's a lot of the material I just do. So some of it has some character work in it, but it's mostly kind of (laughs) dark. But yeah, I'm doing like an indie feature starting next month. I did like an indie short last month. So doing my own videos it's kind of just i see it as like a garden and there's like planting seasons and so i'm kind of just back in planting season just like yeah filming stuff shooting videos making what do you see for the future of mom well i have not your mom who who she you're seeing she's coming tomorrow and we can't wait it's her birthday i see a great future for her she's thriving and really hitting her stride and for my mom character I really feel happy with the series as it stands. I feel happy with the last one I just made. My, I have a pilot written of it, um, like a 30-minute pilot. Mm-hmm. So my ideal is for really the next step for it to be to have more people involved. You know, I think it'd be really fun to see her interacting with other people. And there's only so much you can do when it's just her alone. So I can keep making them, but I'm, my ideal is to build it out, build out the world around her. Yeah, so... But as you know, things take a while. So yeah. in the meantime, I'll probably make a few more mm. as they are. Yeah. Are you going to make one with mom? I don't know. Thing? I think um, we're going to, it's mostly a trip for fun because we've both been working really hard. So we're going to just. <laughs> so mom videos aren't. <laughs> they're kind of fun. They're, they're work. fun work days, I mm-hmm. would say. But, you know, we film for sometimes 12 hours. Like that LA one, I think we filmed mm-hmm. for 12 hours. Like they're long, but some are not. Some we shoot quickly, but. They're long. They, they, they take a while. I threw out my back editing this last one. They spend, I spent a, oh. a lot of time on them. So we'll see. But Mom you never goes know. To the Grove. Mom goes to the Grove. We already did Mom went to L.A. Right. Um, so I, I think usually it comes from like a real life thing happening. So if she's here and something happens where I'm like, oh, we got to do this, then Disneyland. Disneyland would be great. But that might be a little hard. Or like the beach maybe mm. I'm thinking of. Yeah. So we'll see. It's not like Cape Cod. Yeah, it's not like Cape Cod. I don't know. It's a little dirty. Yeah. (laughs) There's definitely, that's the beauty of her. You know, it's like she has something to say about everything. So there would never be a situation we could go, like, we could. Has your mom's behavior changed because of the videos? No, and that's the beauty of my mom. You know, I was talking in one of these interviews recently about, like, Mm -hmm. what, 
learned a lot about my mom. I've learned to really like, when I put on that wig, I feel fucking like there's nothing I can't say or do, you know? And I'm like, she, I feel like I can, there's no self-consciousness. I say anything that comes mm-hmm. to my mind. And I'm like, my mom is really a really strong badass woman who like doesn't I worry so much sometimes about what I say and it's like no she doesn't she just says what's on her mind and like she's confident in herself she's not worried about kind of what other people think all the time so it's really refreshing so if anything it's just pushed me to be a little bit more authentic it's like who cares yeah people love her she's just being herself we don't have to try so hard to like make everyone I don't know social media is a a weird beast we're growing up in a weird time where we have to we like get immediate feedback for who we are and what we are my mom's generation, there's more of just, they didn't have that, you know? I don't know. Makes you a different person. Well, at least in your case, you're using social media to be different people. Totally. It's not like, I guess one of the common complaints about social media is that we're presenting only our best selves. Yeah, believe me. <laughs> I'm presenting only my, my like, yeah, weird worst right. selves. Yeah. You're only presenting other. That's so true. I found a loophole. Yeah. No, it's social media for me has been like a huge saving grace and it's made me feel very powerful, like in control of my career versus feeling like anytime I get rejected a lot. Everyone does. So it's like, I feel like if I didn't have my own engine of making my own stuff, I would be in a darker, it'd be a darker time, you know? Has your view of any of the platforms changed over the last couple of years? Facebook's the one that I've seen the most change in. I feel like Instagram's great. Twitter's great, but Facebook has, yeah, I've seen a lot less activity than when I first started posting videos. It felt like everyone was living on Facebook all the time. And now Mm -hmm. it feels like I'm even seeing like my mom's generation on Twitter, which like that's new. No one, when I started Twitter of not as many people who weren't into like politics would be on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Whereas now it's kind of people are migrating and everyone's doing, I feel like a lot of people are doing videos now on Twitter. It's become a real place for videos more so than I see on Facebook. I but see. you see all four of those places as still places you want to put videos in 2019? Yes and no. Yeah, I I definitely don't focus on Facebook as much. I mainly focus on yeah, Twitter and Instagram. YouTube would be great. I mean, getting people to YouTube so that I could monetize, monetize it would be great. But kind of like I said, I'm like, I do feel this sense of like, for me, ideally in comedy, I want to be making people laugh and making people happy and I want to be making money. And like, as long as I feel like right now I'm in control of like the making people laugh part. So as long as I'm focusing on that, I'm just trusting that eventually the money will come, but I'm trying not to like weaken this one, you know, like just to make short money now. I'm like, no, I'd rather just keep making people happy and make money via some other means. Right. Otherwise you would Instead of releasing them everywhere, I'd just release them on YouTube. Correct. I'd just release them on YouTube or I would like release longer versions on YouTube or mm-hmm. yeah, try to do more. Because I would, Instagram still has time limits. Yep. Just a minute. Yeah. Or I'd be like, right, trying to post videos every day. Like I don't like, I could be posting a mom video like, you know, uh, every month or every other week. But I like that it's like, no, I just kind of wait till I'm, I don't know. Yeah. If if my cash flow were relying on it, I think it would get a little bit more stressful. Yeah. There are people who are. Totally. Have you talked to any of those people? Who no. Are I should. YouTubers well, or? I, I feel like there's a tiny community. Like I, there's some Instagram people who I talk to a lot who make. Right. Instagram. Yeah. Who make videos. And we, mm-hmm. we chat when sometimes I'll, yeah, when we have 
qualms or whatever we talk, but... What do you learn from those people? Um, I think the main thing is just that, yeah, like, we're harder on ourselves than anyone else is, you know, because things that I notice, no one else notices, or, like, I think you just spend so much time on these edits and with these characters, and you learn to love them so much that then you put them out into the world, and there's a real vulnerability gap there. Like, when that happens, it's anytime I release a video, there's a moment of, like jumping like that's scary you know because you're you're saying like i believe this is funny i put on a fucking wig you know like there's something really <laughs> embarrassing about putting on a goddamn wig and putting something out there and being like i thought this was funny so much so that i put a wig on you know like there's and you're not there to defend yourself like in stand-up so it's kind of just like you just put it out and people can say whatever they want and they can say mean things and yeah but i've learned that if Basically, I've, my main lesson I've learned is like, do what I think is really funny. Look at the video before I post it and say, do I think this is funny? And put it out. And then if I think it's funny, I try not to let anyone else's opinion get in my way. Okay, they didn't think it's funny. Well, then it's not for them. Versus early on in my career, I might have been like, they think I'm annoying. They don't think I'm funny. I got to change my whole thing. And now it's like, well, not is, for you. Is, is that part of the reason why you've shied away from doing actual celebrity impersonations? Well, I... Because of that fear of how people are going to react to it? I I think... Mom is just a wig, but AOC is you're trying to be somebody who a lot of people are paying attention to. I think it's... I think that that's a very astute observation. I think that I get a lot more anxiety when I put out an AOC video or someone... I never want my comedy to be mean. I I really like joyful comedy uh, or dark comedy about myself, but Mm -hmm. I never... And the AOC stuff, it's like... She's so good. She's doing such good, and I don't want to attack her. Like, she gets so much hate from so many people every day. I don't need to add to that. So there is a balance. I talked to James Adomian about this, too, where it's like, it's hard when you're impersonating a lovable person, and you don't want to, it's a fine line to walk of, like, you're poking fun, but you're still doing it with love, you know? So I think it's, yeah, it's harder. I want to. If I'm doing a celebrity impersonation, I want to make sure I have a real angle so as to why I'm doing it versus just something that might be, yeah. And I I find a lot more joy in being people that I see every day and being them, making them lovable. Yeah. That's where I find a lot of joy. Well, Alyssa Limparis, your comedy is very joyful and lovable. And you know, one other thing, thank you so much for writing me up. I feel like that was a real change too. You know, each time you've written me up, it's come as sort of like a, I remember the time you wrote me up recently about the Gilda Radner piece. Mm -hmm. I had just gotten like a really big rejection. My first like really big rejection in LA. Yeah. And I was, I swear to God that day I was like, Oh my God, my best friend May is walking in to come collect her dog as I'm talking about trauma. It's perfect. We have a <laughs> podcast about trauma. Um, but yeah, that day I was like really, I was like calling on my dad to like, I just really missed my dad and I really felt like I needed like some support. And I, you didn't even tell me you were going to post it. And no. I just looked at my phone and I saw it. I swear it was like divine intervention. And it, I, my mom even, she cried because I had been telling her that I was like, you know, really missing dad. And you, I don't know, something about the timing of it. And it was just like, oh, everything's going to be okay. That was a really, it helped me over a real rough patch in, in LA. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. So you're, you writing up has, yeah, has been really helpful for my career too. So thank you. Oh, well, I hope this helps too. Yes. And then we can check back in in a year and see. How, yes. <laughs> Next year, I'm, yeah. 
every post of mine is sponsored. I've, I've, I've sold my whole, my, 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 yes, everything I do will be sponsored. Yes. Well, uh, I look forward to that moment. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Gigglechick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.